Hello, happy Saturday. Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride Best of the Week podcast. I'm host and audio producer of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, Stephen Serta. Not a lot going on around Kansas City as everyone is eagerly awaiting the start of Chiefs training camp. But we had a couple shows this week. We're trying to keep feeding you guys as best we can. So we'll start things off today with the Out of Structure podcast. They broke down their top market movers, who stocks up, who stocks down ahead of Chiefs training camp. After that, we're going to take a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll wrap things up with show and BK, catching up on everything else you need to know about the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I'll, I'll throw this out there, Ron. I'll give you one guy that I'm bullish on, and you can tell me if you agree or if you have uh, a counterpoint. So, number one, I'm going to be bullish on Noah Gray this year, and I think this is a, a player that is coming into his own as a second tight end, had a pretty solid season last year, really outperforming what you'd expect from that position in Kansas City. But now he's probably going to be the primary fullback as well. So he's, there's a chance he's going to be on the field more uh, than your average second tight end and more than, than he was last year. He came down with some big catches in the playoff run. Uh, so I'm, I'm bullish on Noah Gray at this point. It seems like he's having a good uh, off-season program, and he's just got all kinds of opportunities this year. Yeah, that's the interesting part about Gray. You mentioned that he had maybe as prolific a season as we've seen from that second tight end, uh, you know, to, to pair with Travis Kelsey in the Kelsey era. Uh, you know, he almost got to 300 receiving yards in the regular season last year on 28 catches. But that's the thing in terms of trending up is is how much up more up can he go? And that's where – you know, at first on the surface, you say, well, you know, I want to put him as a trending up. But, you know, I, I think at some point he might be flatlining. He might have plateaued himself last year. That key point about the fullback position, though, I, I think is really important. I think we are still, you know, at this point, we're past all the mandatory minicamp, everything. And we still don't have a true fullback on the roster. I, I, I think at one at one point, at some point, you know, we just got to accept that it's not coming. And, and that's what's happened. I think we all have for the most part. But. You know, Blake Bell is going to is going to help with that, too. I think he's just too bit good of a blocker to not do some of that stuff, uh, some of the fullback things. And I think, hey, if you're going to have him on the active roster as that fourth tight end, you might as well use him in that role. But I think I think Noah Gray's, uh, you know, usage in that role as well. You know, his his third year in the NFL, he'll just be that much stronger as a blocker. He's already gotten good as a uh, better as a blocker. His second year had some good reps there. Yeah, I think I think Noah Gray is someone that deserves to be on that 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 bullish list. I'm actually going to be writing about him and Jody Fortson for the site, kind of looking at their their impact uh, and, and kind of just reminding everybody, you know, how important they were to last year's Super Bowl win and how important they are to the offense in general heading into 2023. Because I think, uh, you know, kind of that secret that secret sauce in the Chiefs' offense last year was were their multi tight end sets or 12 and 13 personnel sets, and you know, the biggest reason for that is because Noah Gray was executing his role, and so was Jody Fortson. I do feel like maybe there is more upside with Noah Gray than Jody Fortson, which is a weird thing to say just because Jody Fortson has been the upside player for years, right? He's been the under, undrafted free agent that's going to make a big difference and, and it's going to make the team and is going to be everybody's favorite player in the spring and the summer because you can see the physical potential there to be just a, a matchup nightmare and a freak. But I think with the way that they feature that second position and that the second tight end position, it just seems like Noah Gray is going to be on the field more, and and Jody Fortson is going to be kind of a niche player uh, unless and until something something changes with their roster. 
Well, it's it's the key point with Gray is that he can play that traditional tight end role, uh, you know, especially that West Coast tight end role. You know, I, I think about Travis Kelsey, how good he is as a tight end. You know, a lot of the times, a, a primary, a majority of the time, you know, he's he's making impact in the offense. He's not aligned as a traditional tight end. But that's not but that's not because Andy Reid doesn't want to use a tight end. Andy Reid is from that West Coast offense that really does value the mismatches you get both in the run game and the pass game from the tight end position. And Noah Gray kind of, you know, he's grown into that ability to be a, a plus as a run blocker, uh, you know, in those one back uh, sets where he's kind of maybe just blocking a linebacker, not maybe having to block a defensive end. Right. He's, he can be a plus in those areas, but he can also take advantage of a quick pass and make a linebacker miss in space. He's had a, a few good reps of, of that. He's had a few good uh, solid catch reps. I pointed out on on uh, in, in an article the other day, actually, some plays to remember from last year. You know, Noah Gray had one of the biggest plays of his career on in overtime against the Titans. Mahomes trusts him on a jump ball over the middle, 30 yards downfield. He didn't secure it right away. He bobbled it a little bit, but he did grab it. He did bring it to the ground and and got the first down. You know, that that's a huge confidence builder, and, and it's cool to see Mahomes confident in, in him enough to give him that jump ball opportunity. Yeah, I, I think Noah Gray is well on his way to, to – to being a, a, an impact player. And if he can continue to grow, it's just going to give the Chiefs even more confidence to maybe spell Kelsey a little a little more, right? Give him even less wear and tear on the body as the season goes. Absolutely. Now, it's tough at this time of year, I think, to, to put anybody on the bearish list, and anybody trending downward, mm-hmm. just because, you know, it's it's all hope at this time at this time of year. Plus, you're coming off a Super Bowl championship, You've got a very young team, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of upside left with most players on this roster. So the the one player that keeps coming to mind when I think of somebody to put on the Bears list is, is Willie Gay Jr. Because and it's not because Willie's been a, a bad player or that he's been worse this year than he was the, the previous year. It's really just about opportunity. And again, we just have to take the clues from what we see the team do. And it's not necessarily what they say about a player. Uh, it's what moves do they make. And you've got a, gr- a position group at, at, at linebacker for this Kansas City Chiefs team that really, especially down the stretch last year, was pretty phenomenal. You've got Nick Bolton, who's, who's become one of the best in the league. He nearly had two, uh, two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, which is just outlandish for somebody uh, like Nick Bolton. Uh, nearly led the the league in tackles as well. And they draft Leo Chanel last year, who who came on towards the end of the season a little bit. And then what do they do this offseason? Just when you think they're set at at linebacker, they go out and sign a legit starter in Drew Tranquil, somebody who had well over 100 tackles last year, who had five sacks, uh, that was known as a coverage player, all of a sudden you've taken a position group that with a lot of question marks and you've made it into a huge strength, which is great for the Chiefs defense. It's great for the team as a whole for their depth and for how well-rounded they are. But is it great for Willie Gay Jr. who enters a contract year now with more competition than ever to, to make an impact? And, and, and really, most likely, he's going to have competition for snaps, right? Yeah, let, let's put it this way. I mean, the linebacker position in today's NFL, you know, I, I want to say about 70, maybe 75% of the time, there are maybe two, there are two of them on the field only. There are only two of them on the field. Um, and I'd say maybe that 70% of the time there are two. 
we know Nick Bolton's going to be one of them. Uh, that's that's for sure. There's no doubt about it. Nick Bolton is absolutely going to be one of those linebackers in that formation. And then there's three guys that could be the other guy. And and all three guys have a reason to be that player in, in certain situations. You know, uh, the Chiefs have a, a, a typical nickel defense and that linebacker next to Nick Bolton, the will linebacker is called the buck linebacker in that defense. You know, depending on if it's a if it's a rundown, if it's a run situation, if they feel like they're going to be, uh, you know, seeing a run, even if they want to stay in their nickel personnel, they may even want to have a run style kind of linebacker, a run stopper kind of linebacker. But if it's maybe a lighter package, something that they they understand, maybe they need to be anticipating the pass. They'll they'll bring on a lighter will linebacker, right? You know, someone that's more uh, advantageous in coverage. The funny thing about the linebacker group is. You know, Willie Gay kind of is the best of both worlds in that. That was kind of what he was supposed to be, right? That's kind of what was ideally uh, what he was, you know, I kind of, that's what I was was super excited about with Willie is he has that thickness, that that explosiveness downhill to be a good run stuffer, but also the athleticism, the playmaking, uh, you know, kind of moving backwards to be, to be uh, the best in coverage. But then you look at the other two linebackers besides him on in the group, you're talking about Leo Chanel, who I really think his his bread and butter is attacking uh, the run. And I think you saw that, especially in the Super Bowl. You go back and look. I have some clips even on Twitter. You know, Leo Chanel had a great game in the Super Bowl, and it was all attacking the run. He actually did have some pass coverage uh, clips as well. But then Drew Tranquil, the the, the free agent uh, acquisition you point out, you're right. He is a coverage guy, and, and that's, what he, that's what he did with the Chargers. You know, the Chiefs have experience seeing him. You know, uh, you know, play in that middle of the field. He's he's made interceptions over the middle of the field. You know, kind of dropping back into those deep areas as that lone linebacker. It's just kind of funny, man. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of things that that point to you know Willie Gay maybe being the odd man out, depending on how they want to rotate these guys around. And I still have confidence in Willie because, like I said, I think he does have the ceiling to be that kind of all that kind of all around linebacker, right? But you know, at the same time, we just haven't seen it really come all together for him. He's had some injury problems. And this team has invested in the position outside of him. So at some point, if he doesn't kind of, you know, grasp the position himself, it is going to kind of slip away from him. And, and we're gonna, not going to see Willie Gay here in 2024, which is might be a little sad because I love me some Willie Gay. So it is a really big season for him. And, and he's definitely someone that right now it does seem like he's more pointing down than up. Yeah, and again, nothing. That's not a knock on him at all. It's really, it's really just about opportunity. And and again, the team sort of tipping their hand based on on what they've they've done around him. We'll see if he commands those snaps and and makes that impact this year in his contract year and and is able to uh, to stick around. I mean, I would absolutely love to see him stick around and and have this again be a, a strength of the team, a four deep linebacker group that is uh, as good as any in the NFL. Well, and that's the thing. I think Gay and Tranquil are directly competing in that contract year sense. Um, the thing with Tranquil that he has the advantage, in, in my opinion, is that he was a Mike linebacker, kind of that green dot guy for the Chargers. Willie Gay obviously has not been. Uh, we've seen the Chiefs not want to use him in the dime defense. They want to use a Mike like a Bolton, uh, like a, a, a Ben Neiman uh, in the past. That's the thing with Tranquil, though. I do think uh, at the bare minimum – even if he doesn't take Willie's goal as the will, uh, Willie's role as the will linebacker, he should be able to come in and play that dimebacker position and give Nick Bolton some some rest. Not make Nick Bolton this three down, ninety nine percent of the snaps guy because I do think that just makes him you know not as good on the early downs where he should be a strength. He should be an asset. Give give Nick those rest reps right. Trust the, the veteran in the in the dime package. 
Um, he'll be fresh in those roles too, right? You know, Tranquil will be fresh because he won't be playing on the early downs. I think that's the ideal situation. You kind of just use everybody in their best roles, and then Leo's kind of just that that fill in wherever he needs to fill in. But uh, there is a chance that that Tranquil is just the better player than Willie, and he just kind of overtakes him overall. Yeah, we could almost call it a training camp battle, and there'll be plenty of those oh, to yeah. talk about uh, in the next month as we approach St. Joe and training camp. Uh, it's also a good time to look back a little bit on last year and and some stats maybe that we've overlooked or forgotten about. Uh, Ron, I know you've you've done some work on this. Uh, throw out some stats to remember from 2022 that the people may have may have forgotten about or, or overlooked. Yeah, I think this is always just a fun way to to kind of think about some things about the team, you know, remember some, some strengths and weaknesses about last year's team and how it could kind of maybe change this year. One of the strengths of last year's team, we kind of just started talking about with Noah Gray a little bit, uh, was the Chiefs passing attack kind of in heavier formations. But this one was specifically from under center formations. The Chiefs averaged 10.9 yards per pass attempt and earned 125.2 passer rating when they passed from under center. That's those are some good stats. Eleven yards per pass attempt when they were when they were coming out when Mahomes was under center. That doesn't mean play action, but what that does mean is is a lot of those times he's not going under center if he's got you know a bunch of wideouts or they're in spread formations, right? He's they're going to be showing a run look, and that's kind of the thing that that was the the secret sauce. Like I mentioned earlier, is is they really do they really did have defenses kind of forced into playing from their heavier personnel packages at times because the Chiefs were being able to threaten with Pacheco downhill and, you know, Noah Gray blocking pretty well, you know, downhill at the point of attack. And obviously their offensive line was just already such a good run-blocking offensive line. And so that threat by itself, just Mahomes getting down under center, I think did enough for, uh, for, for, to give them an advantage when they drop back in those situations. And I think they're going to continue to use that as an advantage. Now they still run out of shotgun a fair amount, right? So it's not like the um... – you know, it, it's a dead giveaway, but it does feel like at least is more of a threat uh, if you're if you're under center to have exactly. more of a balanced offense, right? Right. Yeah. It, exactly. And it, it's just it's just that kind of it's that extra little layer. You know, play action's that next step, right? Where you're actually you know post snap, you know, faking the run, but you're kind of pre snap faking the run there. You know, making linebackers maybe get on their toes rather than their heels. Uh, you know, and that and and that's and that's where it kind of or get on their heels, I should say, rather than the toes, but. My next stat, though, was, was pretty fun. Uh, Travis Kelsey related. Uh, he's always fun to talk about. Travis Kelsey had 10 touchdowns in the red zone, and that was three more than any other NFL player had last year, uh, caught uh, receiving-wise, right? And, and that just tells you that he was just such a mismatch, uh, you know, and, and even when he was really the primary weapon in the red zone, I mean, you know, you knew, he, you know, you knew where Mahomes was going to go a lot of the times. He still caught caught it. McKinnon himself had had uh, I think it was seven touchdowns in the red zone as well. They were just a red zone machine. He also was a league leader in receiving touchdowns from inside the ten yard line. Eight of those ten came from inside the ten. So that's the thing is the Chiefs' run game wasn't very effective. Maybe at punching in drives, the Chiefs' passing attack kind of made up for it a lot of the times. And you know, there's not really a reason why that should change this year if teams want to sell and 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 cover Kelsey and double team him. I mean, they tried to do that last year, and it still didn't work a lot of times. But if they really want to try to sell out this year, I mean, the Chiefs have a lot of weapons in Sky Moore, Kadarius Toney, uh, you know, again, McKinnon, guys that can maybe take advantage of getting the ball in their hands quickly and, and, and punching it in. So I, I think Kelsey's going to have another big year in, uh, in the red zone. And so that's just a striking stat there, Stacks. It's interesting, too, because you don't think of 
if you think about the all-time great tight ends and who is a red zone threat, that's sort of been a knock on Kelsey in his career is that he wasn't the big – he wasn't Gronk. He's not Gronk in the red zone, right? Yeah. He's not He's not a go-up-and-get-it-necessarily jump ball kind of tight end. Um, he's catching a lot of those shovel passes, and a lot of the critics are going to say that that's a – you know. That's that's an asterisk next to those receptions that they're sometimes these little shovel passes or these little trick gadget type plays. But but the fact is that he is a threat to punch it in every single time in the red zone, whether he's going up and getting it or or it's it's from behind the line of scrimmage. No, that's a good point, because you're right. I think, you know, in his early career, was he was the, hey, you get it in his in his hands and he's going to you know get yak. But he, you're right. He's not going to be a go up and get it. But uh, I think, at, and it's not like all of his red zone touchdowns were going up and get it, getting it. A lot of them were him manipulating zone coverage. Or, you know, the funny thing was, people would try to double team him, and he would just, you know, manipulate them both to the point, and Mahomes would just be on the same page, and they would just get to the right place, and you there was nothing you could do about it. And that's the frustrating part about Mahomes and Kelsey. But defensive side of the ball, I think this one is just a refresher, just a reminder to everybody that this Chiefs defense did finish not only with the second most sacks in the NFL last year, but with the fifth highest team pressure rate last year. And I think that just is a reminder that this team knew how to get after the quarterback. This team knew how to, how to you know, disrupt opposing passing attacks. And we've talked about it a lot this offseason, Stags, me and you. It's not like this pass rush group is getting any necessarily worse. You know, there's guys leaving. There's guys coming in that may be less experienced. Maybe we don't know exactly what they're going to look like yet. But it's not like we, you know, it's not like we felt great about what they had last year compared to what they have this year. They still have Chris Jones, you know, the 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 bomb in the middle. Obviously, Carl Loftus in that second year. We're gonna see what we have in Omenihu, Felix, and Udike Uzama. But I just think with the blitz on top of this too, I think that's an important part of this too. I think one stat I put in the article was that the the 18 of the 55 sacks from last year were accounted by the blitz. I think that's just a huge part of this, and just a reminder that. This team knows how to get after the, the quarterback. Spagnuolo knows how to manufacture the pass rush. But there's a chance that, you know, it, it could it could you know be elevated this year depending on how they, what they get out of their first-round rookie and uh, Menehue, again, who's kind of this X-factor guy that we're excited to see. Yeah, Menehue is, is probably still underrated as an acquisition. And if he pans out the way that you think based on his career arc, I mean, he's a legitimate threat to get to double-digit sacks this year in addition to what they had last year. And really all you've lost is Frank and, and Carlos Dunlap is now talking about maybe coming back, or at least there's some, some chatter yeah, about true. that. You know, you, you've got a lot of options there. And FAU is probably the best, you know, all around prospect that they've had in house at the edge position in, in the Andy Reid era. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of upside there. And you're right though, the blitz, you got Legereus Sneed, you've got McDuffie, you've got a lot of players uh, in the secondary that are great blitzers. And you added Tranquil uh, from that linebacker position yeah. as well. Um, there's there's really not a player on defense that they that Spagnuolo can't send uh, in, in any given time. Yeah, I know Tranquil can blitz as well. I think Chanel, uh, you know, at, at the same time could maybe you know his role could maybe even evolve to where he's more of a situational rusher more uh, this year in certain packages. The the elusive. Sam Rusher that we've been wanting forever, right? I'm, I, it's coming. It's coming. I think so. I think Spags is going to bring it out. Uh, no, we'll see. One more stat before we move on that I think is important. This is on the negative side. 
The Chiefs defense allowed 4.9 yards per carry on first and 10 runs. And so I don't have a league ranking in, in terms of how bad, bad it was compared to the rest of the league, but Sag, I think I think you can you can relate or you can understand that you know giving up nearly five yards per carry on first and ten is, is not good, um, and it needs to be better. Um, and I, I really do think the 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 most of the fault here goes to the lack of beef on the inside on, of, of what of the defensive tackle position. You know, obviously Chris Jones a lot better against the run last year was was much more of a dominant force on every down, but that nose tech position or nose tackle position that one tech that Derek Nadia has filled uh, over the, over the years, it has just not been, it has not filled the role it's needed to, and it has not helped his young linebackers who, Hey, I think Bolton has been really good in his career, but I think we all need to understand that he's not perfect yet. And, and it's not going to help him when his nose tackle is getting, you know, uh, you know, blown two, three, four yards back into his lap. That's not going to help him process anything. That's not going to help him get to the ball any quicker. And so, and Willie Gay's in that same realm too, and Leo Chanel's in that same realm too. These linebackers need, especially in these in this one gapping system, these linebackers need their defensive tackles, their defensive linemen to hold their gaps in order to for them to shoot their gaps and make their plays. And so that's where I I do want I do think the nose tackle position needs to be better. I'm excited for Keandre Coburn. I think he could have went higher in the sixth round. I think a lot of this a lot of the annoying part about his, you know, as we get close to the season, we're going to hear, oh, he's a six round pick. You know, you can't expect him to start or, oh, he, you know, he's he, he shouldn't have been a six round pick. I think he could have been a third or a fourth round pick. Um, you know, I, I think he has that capability to play right away. So um, I do think Coburn is, is our savior here. I'm hoping he can maybe, you know, get that beef uh, going right away, you know, uh, bring it to bring it right away. But hopefully it lights a fire under Naughty's butt too, man. Cause I, I'd like to see him get back to his form. I think at one point he was, he was the perfect kind of nose tackle. And I just think he may, he maybe fell off over the last couple of years. Yeah. Your defense is put in a bad position. If they've, if they've already halfway to the first down on, on every, in any given yeah. Uh, yeah. series, that, that's, that's really not going to be an effective defense period. And, and so not that I really care that much about stopping the run, but I think when it comes to uh, when it comes to early down to putting yourself in manageable third down situations, uh, they they need to improve there. And yeah, it does start up front. It, it's a, it's certainly a team effort there, but you got to think that they invested at least a little bit in in the defense up the middle to to address that situation along with some of the other issues that they've had up the middle in, in short pass coverage. Uh, I, I think you've got uh, some guys and you've got some aggressive safeties now. I, I think they've got some, some potential help all the way up the middle of that defense that could make a difference this year. Yeah, and that was a point I made too. I, I mentioned the linebackers maybe getting impacted by the defensive tackles, but you know that, go, that trickles down all the way to the safeties too. I, I think when – when your running backs are able to hit their holes with momentum because their tackle, you know, because the defensive tackle is getting, uh, you know, blown off the ball, you know, I think he gets momentum into the second and third levels, and it's hard to tackle a running back if you're Justin Reed and Brian Cook if the guy's already got a full head of steam, man. You, you, you're, you got to help him slow down and let these guys, um, you know, get there and and be the ones bringing the force, not 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 taking the force. So, just some stats to remember. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs 
can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I, Travis Kelsey is on my mind a lot, and uh, I don't really mean it like that. That way that came out kind of sounded I think cool. you do. I think you a do. A little aggressive. <laughs> uh, I do like Travis. I want to say first, I'm very, very concerned as we are recording this. Uh, it is it is in the evening of, uh, of Thursday, the 29th, and that match play thing is happening. I think he's going to look bad. I think I, I feel I, to be – it feels like he may be the most embarrassing-looking uh, player of the of the four. I feel very good about what Steph's going to do. I feel very good about what Pat's going to do. I think Clay probably plays a lot. I think Travis is going to come out here looking rough, looking rough like that. The way that Tom Brady looked that time when they played that one time—that was bad. Worse, the the just difference, looked, though, Kelsey it, will have fun with it. Tom was not having fun. No, he did yeah. not enjoy that at all. No. Zero fun, sir, was his response. Yeah, but at some point we might see Kelsey looking the way he did in Cleveland, and when he threw that wild pitch, and I, at some point it's fun to get to to get to the back nine, and now you you're still doing it, and now it's just embarrassing. And Charles is saying stuff about you and everything. So I, first, I'm very concerned about about him in this match play. I hope this goes all right. Uh, I I hope he has a lot of jokes and a lot of fun. To move it over because I think he is going to be clearly dragging Patrick Mahomes down in this thing. But he did this, he did the interview at Vanity Fair and talked about him being underpaid and looking around and seeing it, but then talking about winning is the thing that is more important to him now. And so he's good with it and all that. He has to be the best number two in the history of sports, like the number two guy in the history of sports. For years, it was Scottie Pippen, the best number. Now we clearly understand that Scottie was being drugged, drugged to the table of being a number two. Now maybe it has something to do with the guy, son sleeping with his ex-wife, but I don't know about, <laughs> I don't know all of that. But we clearly understand that Scottie hated being a number two, right? Kobe and Shaq, neither one of them were going to accept it. Kobe refused to accept it all over the place. Like I, I. I have never seen somebody as Travis Kelsey, who I think can make a claim that he is the best to ever play the position he plays. 
And he is he he was good before Mahomes got here. He was putting up numbers with Alex Smith before he got here. But unlike Tyreek, he can just sit back and just be cool with it. Like it is insane. And I think his his ability to accept being the number two and and in, including financially, like he said, man, he's every bit as valuable as Tyreek. Tyreek's making $30 million. He's making 11 every bit. But he knows, like, I'm not the guy. And he could go off and be the guy. And I mean, he he his his willingness to be that is as big as anything in this in this potential dynasty and what's happened with the Chiefs. It's the best I've ever seen. The person to ever handle it. It's insane. And when you first said that, and you were like, "Hey, I think Travis Kelsey is the best number two in the history of sports," my immediate reaction was like, "Okay, let let's pump the brakes a little bit." But then you think about it a little bit, man. Like when you think about the value of the number two and what they're making salary wise versus what they are bringing to the table. I mean, you might be right, Ron. And especially when you think about how comfortable he is in this role. Now you look back on it today and you think about some of the things that we have now heard come out from Scotty Pippen and the way that he viewed his role as a number two, not sure he was as thrilled as what he made it out to be at the time. I think Kelsey is genuinely happy to be a part of this and to be seen as like oh. the number two guy to Patrick Mahomes. And I think that's the the real difference here is like he embraces it. He loves it. Meanwhile, you think about what he's making money wise, like he's making less on an average annual value uh, at this point than Alvin Kamara. He's making less than Joe Tooney, yes. a guard on his own team. He's making less than J.C. Jackson, who has, like, one working leg right now as a cornerback for the Chargers. Like, you look at – he's making less than Tyler Lockett, who is a number two wide receiver for the Seattle Seahawks. Like, I I don't really know how to put it in context or put it in perspective just how unreal it is that we're watching this with Kelsey in Kansas City. But, sir, to see – look how many other examples fall apart, right? Like – Devontae Adams couldn't – I mean, he couldn't wait. He left Aaron to go, to go to play in Vegas in a situation where they just – where Derek Carr dipped. Like, he he couldn't he couldn't hang in there and stay there. Look at Stephon Diggs right now. He's not handling being – this dude is coming out talking about he wants, he wants input in play calling, right? He's not – this stuff could go through the wayside. It collect, we saw it clearly – messed with Tyreek like Tyreek like I I'm not gonna just be the second fiddle hell he was the third fiddle to be honest it is just crazy how accepting he is financially credit wise and everything and you know Scotty wanted to be recognized like Michael but like that was never going to happen but I, I think Kelsey learned a lot from his early career where you know, e- even when he was on good teams, they weren't winning anything. Like, nobody was scared of them. Nobody thought the Chiefs, led by Alex Smith, were going to go out and win a Super Bowl, no matter how many regular season games they won. And I-, I feel like that's something that's really stuck with him throughout his career, where now he knows he's got this window to cement himself as one of the greatest NFL players that's ever walked the face of the planet. And I- he already is, in my opinion. But, like, 
he talked about the winning and how important that is to him. And we saw Gronk kind of do that with Tom Brady, where he was like, I'm going to retire if Brady's not my quarterback. And Kelsey's kind of following the same path where it's not about money. It's about winning and it's about everything that comes with the winning. And I, I mean, I'm really appreciative of that like because that's not how it works out hardly ever. He's a rare example. BK, it's hard to accept just, all right, I'm going to be Carlton. Like, I'm going to be Carlton. I'm going to embrace being Carlton. Don't, don't call him Carlton. That's I'm just saying. <laughs> number two, I was going to, I was going to say Sean Hunter, but I mean, I got, I mean, like, right. Most of you, you dream to be Corey Matthews. You dream to be, <laughs> to be Will. You do. You dream to be like, it's hard to, but look, Carlton, when he embraced it, he took off. It was one of the stars that like the split stars of the, of that show. Like he was, he was, now I will admit, because as we talked about match play, Clay is a pretty good two. Clay is a pretty good two in terms of accepting the role it, it, to, to Steph, like he understands Steph is going to be the guy and he can play off of that and do everything. But he's not as, to me, as good or as accomplished as, as, as Travis. Because I, like, I think Travis can be really good anywhere else. <laughs> anywhere else. I think he could play. He showed it. I don't think Clay can be good without Steph. To me, like, unless he's with perfect you know, the right cast, the right situation. I don't think he flourishes as much other paces. Now, I will also say Draymond's Travis, really the one there too. Draymond's the one that like he benefits from the fact yes, that he's in that specific absolutely. system with that spacing, all of those different things. But even it's a little hard for him not to not to get enough praise. Sure. Like he he bucks it in a way. So like he like Travis comes at it and he it's like he don't give a damn about it. Like I don't even care. Like, yeah, I'm hell, I'm gonna help it. I'm going to help. He's a magic man, and he's going to back him up. But I will say, Travis does – he does get a lot of – he gets a lot of action that a one would get outside of things, right? Like, I feel like I've seen Clay do a chocolate milk commercial. I think that's it. I feel like that's, <laughs> a, that's the most I've seen Clay is to get a chocolate milk commercial. He Like, he's on Saturday Night Live. Like, he's – He's on Kimmel, or he's on um, uh, Jimmy Fallon. Like he does get to do some some outside things that maybe ones get, which maybe keeps him enough happy. But yeah, it's a, it, it it is crazy to me that, that he just accepts it so much. It's just it's 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 wild. By the way, I I have been ner- I've been thinking about this, and I haven't held it. I've held it back, and I'm not really ask this question because it's a question I'm kind of scared of. He's going to slow down, right? Like, are, are, we, are we reaching that? Because the minute, like we do know, the minute, especially how they are constructed, the minute he slows down, like it makes this thing completely different because he's amidst a mismatch that, no, maybe maybe the greatest mismatch in the league with what you try to, try to cover him with. And if he slows down, because I keep, I look at his age, and I try not to. And I look at his age, and he'll be thirty-four. <laughs> the season starts, and you think that might slow down, and, but that's like that. He can't keep playing at this level at this age, right? Like he's not going to be 36, 30, 35, 36 playing at this level, is he? I think the late part of his career is kind of going to look like the Tampa years of Gronk. And what I mean by that is like he'll still have his dominant moments, yeah, but it'll be used more sparingly. 
Like he won't be on the field for 70% of the snaps anymore. He'll be used for like 50% of them or 40% of them. And then once you get into the playoffs, it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He still got it. He, he can still do the stuff that we talked about previously. And when you need him in the high leverage spots, big third down spot, you need five yards, Kelsey's going to get it for you. You're in the red zone. You need somebody to go get you a bucket. Kelsey's going to be the one that goes and gets it for you. I think that'll be his late portion of his career. I think he's always going to be able to get you 500 to 700 yards, though. Like I think he just wakes up, and as long as he's healthy, yeah. he's capable of five touchdowns, 700 yards. But, 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 sir, to currently, as this team is constructed, like they need him to be great, Travis Kelsey. Sure. Yeah, and I'm just wondering I mean, how long, like how long does they, he have that? They need them? him to be a 1,200 yard wide receiver, like virtually every right, season. Right. But yeah, I, I mean, I, it's coming. Like it's coming faster than it's not. But like I, I don't think that it's gonna hit him the same way as it necessarily did, like a Rob Gronkowski, because. Kelsey's always been really good at, at keeping himself in shape and keeping himself on the field. Whereas like Gronk had so many surgeries and he had so many injuries. And part of that is just because he was such a, a massive person, but it's also because Gronk would go out there and seek contact and try to run people over. Like Travis Kelsey doesn't get enough credit for how, how well he avoids tackles. Like Travis Kelsey is not trying to break through tackles. He's just trying to shake you out of your boots and run up field for 20 more yards. And he's really, really good at it. Like he doesn't ever take these huge shots that you saw a player like Gronk take. And I think that's something that has helped contribute to his longevity and why he never misses football games, even at this age. It's just crazy. The run he's on and you start looking that up and you're like, okay, October, he's going to be 34. Is he still going to put up <laughs> these numbers than these yards? Cause last year he did not have, you know, Tyreek, and he was the prime thing, and he still put him up, right? Obviously, Andy and, and Pat help him. But that's that's the thing. As you said, it's coming. He's 34. They're going to have to start to find, like, a person that 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 can help the Chiefs no, get to a space. Now, I'm talking about it on the receiving court somewhere. Sky Moore. That, they drafted him. That can help the Chiefs get to a space – where they don't need him to be, what'd you say, uh, uh, sort of the 12, 1300 yard receiving guy. They now they've thrown some eggs in the basket, right? As you said, Sky Moore, they've thrown some eggs in the basket. Kadarius Tony, um, they've, they've got the, the young kid Rice, who, I, who I'm kind of enamored with. They've thrown some, some out there. They need one of these guys, hopefully. Uh, or unless they're going to have to just make a move. But they need one of these guys in the next couple of years to step up so so Travis doesn't have to be. I'm not saying be Tyreek, but maybe somewhere in the vein of a legit number one wide receiver, a guy that's getting 1,000 th yards, that can get 1,100 yards. I don't know if that guy's there this year. I don't know if they have somebody that can do that this year, but they, they're going to have to find that because you just have to, at 34, 35 years old the next couple of years, you at some point, you that's going to drop off. Yeah. And you're not just going to have that dominance. They'll, they'll have to draft their next guy. Like, you look at some of the top receivers in the league last year. Justin Jefferson. Um, you, you look at, like, a Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Terry McLaurin, Amon Russ St. Brown. they got to find that guy. You don't have to find an elite-level number one receiver that you got to pay $30 million, like a Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown. It's nice to have those guys. You'd love to find them. But – 
find that guy that's like a 1A. That's they all, a, they're all over 1,000 yards, weren't they? Those all players you're not they're probably hoping that Rishi Rice can be that guy because, like, Terry McLaurin and Amon Ross St. Brown were not high-end first-round picks. Yeah, Christian Kirk last year, he he was the number one option for the Jacksonville Jaguars, a playoff team. If that guy was with Patrick Mahomes, I think he would have been even better last year. Like, that that's what you need to find yourself. You It doesn't have to be Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill. You'd love to have that, but eventually, Ron, you're right. Whether they draft him or they trade for a guy like that, they're going to need to get their next number one, I would say, at some point within the next three years because from that's what, when you got to find them. From what you described, though, BK, because those are, like we said, over 1,000 yards, 1,100. Now, Justin Jefferson, he's out there. But 1,000 yards, those guys, you don't think that person's here. Like, you don't think right now in this roster there's a guy that can jump out and do that. Devontae Smith, 1,000 yards. Because basically those guys were twos off of receivers, but they could be – where Devontae Smith was a two off of Brown, yep. but he'd be a two off of Kelsey. You don't see, you don't see that player here. Is there a player that you think? <laughs> You're not gonna like my answer. I, th- I think I've got, I think I've got your thousand yard receiver for the Chiefs in 2023. I think it's gonna be Sky Moore. I really do, man. Juju Smith Schuster last year had 935 <laughs> yards. And he was hurt. And would have had more if he didn't get hurt. He, he got off to a pretty good start, and it was kind of lackluster in the second half at times. If you just put Sky Moore in the exact same role this year as Juju had last year, do I think he can outproduce what we saw last year from Juju? I, I do. I, I think that it, he needs to regain the trust of his quarterback, and it sounds like he's doing everything that he can to get there. He needs to make sure that he understands the offense in a way that he very clearly did not last year. But this is a guy that is good after the catch. This is a guy that can win at or near the line of scrimmage and can go across the middle, get you the tough, grinded-out yards if you need him to. I think Sky Moore is the most likely 1,000-yard wide receiver on this team going into 2023. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see him in that position because, like, you think about Juju in his role. He runs a five-foot flat 40 as opposed to a guy like Sky Moore with more speed and wiggle, you think, if he can catch it and hold on to it, there's a there's a chance that maybe his 900 plus turns into, you know, a thousand. I think though, and we we know who it is that can be that guy and the person we're talking about in the future, and it's Kadarius Tony for me, and it's just health. Like like I I am to the point, honest to God, where I've seen enough of him and what his skill set is matched with Andy and Pat and then understanding how that skill set can match up with Kelsey. If he is healthy, I think he is the guy that not only can be an a thousand yard receiver, but the guy that I'm, that we're talking about big picture wise, that can be the guy that releases Travis Kelsey from having to be Superman because he he is a threat just in a short period of time, right? It's a poor man's Tyreek in ways. And a poor man's Tyreek to me is the guy that we're 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 talking about that can play off, that can relieve, that can relieve the the ability uh and the pressure off of Travis Kelsey. Because there's a lot of different things. But to me, I'm convinced if that cat is healthy, if Kadarius Tony just stays healthy, I think he is that answer. If he's, it, but that's 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 what it's about. 
You think he's, he's going to stay healthy, though? Yeah, what, no. What's your level of confidence? Scale of 1 to 10. If he plays 70% of the snaps in the first five games, what is the, what is the level of confidence from you that he'll be healthy in game six? Yeah, four. But, I mean, I'm just <laughs> I'm just telling you. that. But that's the, but that's the one. And You're, that's, right. You're right. And that's the one that, that is scary and annoying. Like You're not going to like my answer either. Um. Are you going MVS? No, 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 no. I was like, don't you there. Absolutely. Serta would quit his job. <laughs> no, I, I think the Chiefs would like for it to be Kadarius Tony too. And I could see the path to that being the case. But I, I think with, with Tony too, it's not just the injuries. It's like, for me, I need to see him fully deployed in the offense. Like, can he actually take on 80% of the snaps on a weekly basis or like 70 to 80% or something like that, where he can be a number one wide receiver. He can go out and get a hundred plus targets a season because we haven't seen anything close to that. And even when the chiefs used him last year, they were putting him in the game when there was plays designed for him. So like he knew exactly what he was supposed to be doing. It's going to be a lot trickier this year when he's expected to take on the full Andy Reid playbook and that's why I'm more confident in Sky Moore. Like, I think that Sky Moore is really going to take a step forward this season. And the way all the coaches have praised him throughout the offseason program and all of that stuff, like, I think you could see the small glimpses of it last season when he was on the field and getting opportunities, even though they were so few. Like, he could create separation, he can bounce off of tackles, he can get open. And all of those are ways that they can utilize him. And he's faster and more explosive than Juju. Like I agree with BK. He steps right into that role. And I think he fits really well into it. He's just not going to necessarily be able to do like the back shoulder things that they were doing with Juju last season. Cause he's not that big of a wide receiver, but I'm more confident right now that he could be the guy that, you know, we aren't focused on enough who winds up being that other option outside of Travis Kelsey. 